trying to go rapid fire to the text line because we got a lot of really good ones on the Garage Door Guru text line. Again, the number 704-570-9610. Caleb wrote in, Wes should be Count Dracula because he likes to count how many spots J.C. Horn is from the number one cover corner. I like it. So there you go. That would absolutely fit what Wes ah, is. Ah, ah, ah. There's also a lot of people <laughs> saying that we messed up some of the Muppets for Sesame Street characters, and that's yeah. right. Yeah, sorry. We're not perfect. No, we're not. Gonzo is a Muppet. I, I am. I think the animal, <laughs> the animal is a Muppet, so I apologize to the makers of the Muppets and Sesame Street characters for getting those mixed together. Somebody did say that they knew a guy that went by Gonzo one time and, well, he got busted with cocaine. So hopefully that is not the Muppet Gonzo that got busted with that. <laughs> Big Cat Dan wrote in his favorite Geico commercial was the ants, how you had an ant problem. That's a great one. And that one was really relatable with all of the ants that are making kind of backwards comments about how you don't keep your house clean when they're all visiting. I thought that was good. And then Hornets Andy wrote in that Akimbe Mutombo Geico, uh, Geico commercial was the best one. I think if you were to get an average of everybody's favorite Geico commercial, the Mutombo one would certainly be on everybody's top five. Oh, yeah, right? that was good. It's fantastic. When the cereal explodes, that's a fantastic commercial. That's yeah. a great moment. Oh, Go ahead, Wes. I was going to say real quick, man. We're not gonna let this go today. That my Deeks beat the Duke Blue Devils, okay? Because we've we've swept that under the rug today. Well, it just came to my mind. We're not gonna let that slide. Walking down I the said hall. it was a little cheap because they were missing two of their best players. But I'm just saying we're not gonna just gloss over that. And not bring up the Dukies that they catching the Blues in Winston Salem. Okay? All right. Well, you Dukied all over Fitty's idea a little bit ago <laughs> when he was trying to play this game. So allow me to play this game before you just destroy it. Okay. We have a couple different ways we can go. All right. I mean, there are so many different topics. It's an overload that we just don't have enough That's time. A lot. That's Slam. just how it is. Or we could just barricade Kyle Bailey outside the studio and just go from 12 to 6. I'll let you do it. He said, take his man card from him. You can do that. I don't want any of that smoke. I'll let Fiddy do all of the barricading if you want to. But you guys can choose. Let's vote. Do you want us to go to the Drake May conversation or Wes out of nowhere wants to talk about Wake Forest <laughs> beating Duke last night, even though in the pre-show we were saying we're going to talk about it. But if you want to talk, do you want to talk about college basketball a little bit before we get to Drake May? Oh, man, that's tough. You know I love football, but let's talk about the Deeks, man. Let's All go right, ahead. go ahead. Go, yeah, the floor is yours. You got the Deke takes. Go ahead. How excited are you after last night's win? Well, listen, first win over a ranked opponent in the Steve Forbes era. We have five Deeks scoring in double figures, led by Tyree Appleby, who He's I've fun. been singing his praises on this show. We out-rebounded the Blue Devils and held Mr. Filipowski, the guy who has been a four-time consecutive rookie of the week, the first ever freshman to do so in ACC history to nine points and six boards. So, Durham, hold this L today as you came to the Joel and took an L. Do you agree with Wes on the walk down here before the show, Fitty, that it was a little bit of a cheap win because Duke was experiencing some injuries? Absolutely not. I was trying to gas the man he up did. yesterday to pick Wake Forest to beat Duke because – like, I know it's only December. That game meant a lot last night for the Demon Deacons because they've already got four losses, and some of them haven't been very close. They got their ass kicked by Rutgers over the weekend. The biggest reason why they didn't make the tournament last year was that first-round loss in the ACC tournament, coupled with the fact that they didn't have enough signature wins. They got one of yeah. those last night at home. And, and you know, like, I, 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 I heard – 
the, the talk's going to be about, you know, well, well, you know, Duke didn't make shots, yada, yada, yada. They're a young team on the road. Wake Forest is a good basketball team. I don't know if they're going to make the tournament, but Steve Forbes in three years has restored pride to that program. And going into the Joel is not going to be an easy thing for teams to do. Carolina learned that the hard way last year, and last night Duke learned the hard way as well. I, I just, with Steve Forbes, love him. He's a fun listen anytime he's going to talk after the game or whatever. And I completely agree with you. He's given Wake more hope than Danny Manning really did during his tenure there. The the most success Danny Man- Manning experienced was the K-State last four in game where eventually you lose the Wildcats and Kansas State moves on. Was that the year? Did they actually get to the Elite Eight that season, Kansas State? I, was it that year or maybe a different year? I yeah, but it, hold on. I'm, I'm ready for y'all to finish so you, we can get to what a real Demon Deacon thinks about uh, what's going on in Wake Forest basketball right now because I have a bit of a differing opinion. <laughs> as, uh, as, as, as a noted Tar Heel, my opinion carries more weight than an actual Demon Deacon. So I, I have been trying. But Wes... What are you doing? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to you, and then you're like, "Hey, are we going to talk about Wake?" We talked about it during commercial break, and he's like, "What are we going to talk about Wake?" And then we're talking about Wake. And you're like, "All right, I'm ready for y'all to shut up now because now I got my take." The floor is yours again. No, I'm saying y'all were going in and 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 talking about how to, he's restoring all this faith and hope and all that. And you like, disagree? I'm just ready for y'all to finish. Okay. So we can tell you what a real demon deacon thinks about. All right, you are the real demon deacon. <laughs> what do you think about the basketball? No, program? I disagree. Right now, that he's restoring the faith and the hope because it's been the same results. They had a great season last year, ACC Player of the Year, and then what happened? They faltered down the stretch, went to the ACC tournament, and were a disappointment like always. So until he advances the Deeks in the tournament in the ACC tournament we win more than a game mm-hmm. which hasn't happened since pretty much since the Tim Duncan era we haven't made any noise I mean, in the Paul ACC tournament yeah and we did nothing when he was there as well we were disappointing in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament so until that happens I'm not going to say I have a ton of faith in Wake Forest basketball at this point because it seems to be the same story we got excited last year with LaRavia Alondis Williams winning ACC player of the year he choked down the stretch the Deeks choked down the stretch so until we do some advancing in some things I'm not having much hope about Wake Forest. I I, I agree with you. Like this is only coming from my perception of Steve Forbes going into his third year. I mean, I think the steps that needed to be taken for the most part were the first two years. You got talent. You were contending for an NCAA tournament spot in your second year. I, I think that's okay. Yes, they absolutely choked down the stretch, and they deserve criticism for that. Like, right. that's a bad loss. Was it Boston College that beat them? Yes. Awful loss. No doubt about it, especially what was on the line. But to Fitty's point, it is a huge victory. I mean, it's a, it goes back to what you were talking about. Quad one win, despite what Steve Forbes has to say about the system, Mm -hmm. that stuff matters. And it's not like Duke was playing horrible basketball. They still did have a Filipowski. You know, you still had some talented guys out there for Duke. That's a big time win. And that's exactly what this program was missing just last season. You couldn't go to these monstrous victories to say that's why they deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. Now you have at least taken care of a couple of those opportunities before you get into the meat of ACC play. So you're right. You, it'd be nice to make the tournament to fully restore Wake basketball. But I do feel relatively good about them right now. They have to finish, but if you're asking me how I feel about them right now, 
I, I do feel like this is a basketball team that is headed in the right direction this year, but they disappointed me last year, so who knows? Well, I'm being like Fiddy is with his Tar Heels. I'm being very hard on my team. They struggle with a lot of bad teams that they should have beaten by no, 25, right. 30, 40. And like I said, they're a team that's led by a very small guard, so you're always worried about him every time he hits the ground because he does play with reckless abandon, which I respect. But also, like I said, I don't know how he'll hold up over time taking that. He can't be more than 165 pounds mm-hmm. taking that up in there to the cup like he does and getting knocked on his keister. So, Wes, you stopped us and said, when are we going to talk about Wake's win last night? And then we tried to give him credit. And then you said, wait, hold on. We're not fully here yet. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm going to give you the, <laughs> yeah, full, the full Monty there. You know what I'm saying? But you still, did. I felt like that. You know, we talk about Duke all the time on this show, so it just was funny to me that we weren't talking about them at all after they took this L. <laughs> so I was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get this in. What do you can we do? We, do we talk about Drake May next? Do you, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> do you I'm talk good about with that. Drake? You know, anytime we can talk college football, I'm I'm all good with that. No, no, because we got to talk about Wake winning. All right, now now we'll talk about Drake May okay. and Pat Campus Nard- Corner Part Two. P- Campus Corner Part Two. Pat Narduzzi, Mac Brown, both of them talking about how Drake May was offered some money despite not entering the transfer portal to, in fact, transfer from North Carolina. Here's Pat Narduzzi, I believe, with Andrew Filipponi, who joined Willie P., you, Colin, on Friday. Here is Pat Narduzzi talking about how bad things have gotten when other teams are tampering with star quarterbacks. Mac Brown came out this week and said, Drake May is star quarterback. They were trying to poach him million dollar offers to go to another school. I heard five million. I heard five million. Really? <laughs> I heard two schools, five million. I know the schools. I can't tell you, but I know the schools too. Pat, what's going on with that? The transfer portal, and now now players don't even have to be in the transfer portal for schools, I guess, to contact them and try to get them. Yeah, there's, it's called tampering, and, and uh, it's really bad, guys. Uh, it's you know The NCAA's got us all in a bad spot right now, and I think it's only going to get uglier because there are no rules on the road. I'm hearing all kinds of things. I'm hearing guys are getting paid even before they enter. You know, They're getting bonuses for just signing tomorrow. Kids are being paid in high school now a mm. certain amount of money, and then when you get there, they will give you this money. You know, high school players, it's, it's bad. It's not something that's, that I'm real proud of. You know, a member of the American Football Coaches Association uh, of being part of. What do you think of the comments from Narduzzi, West? Well, I know that he's in the know, and I know that he wouldn't just throw that out there, especially for a guy who decided to stay at his school. That number for Drake May, the $5 million, I felt like was dead on. I had said that before that I thought that was what it would take to get him to leave Carolina. And when you look at Bryce Young, he's the top-earning college football player with an NIL evaluation of $3.2 million. I figured that Drake May, with the type of season he had, the type of difference maker that he showed that he could be, I felt like $5 million was the number. Uh, for him to stay at Carolina, I think it tells me that, one, he knows that he's going to get the big payday after he leaves next season but also Carolina had to fork up some Skrilla to keep him um, I have no doubt that they probably gave him at least half of that maybe a little more two and a half to three million and then probably made up for the rest in some endorsements maybe a car maybe something like that I'm just speculating here but like I said I thought five million was the number and for Carolina to keep him I know they had to fork up probably at least a decent portion of that so I, I think it is funny Pat Narduzzi he's also a pretty fun and crazy listen sometimes I remember speaking him at ACC 
Media Day. Tell it like it is. Absolutely. A few years back, he was not happy. I think it was with the criticism that Matt Canada was getting after he was an offensive coordinator up there with Pittsburgh, and he just let it know, or he just let it be known how he was feeling, and it was pretty interesting to hear him and his candid, uh, candidness. So perhaps I'm setting this up the wrong way. I played Pat Narduzzi sound which came after Mac Brown talking, but I do know I want to get Fitty's thoughts on Mac Brown's comments. Let's set the scene with what Mac Brown had to say on Monday. People are absolutely purchasing people and recruiting and they're purchasing them off your campus. Our Heels for Life, which is our collective, they do it right here. You're not supposed to offer people money before they, they come to your campus. You're not supposed to do it for play. You're supposed to have them earn the right through the collective. Uh, and appearances to to gain opportunities. Uh, That's not happening in a lot of places. And I'm so proud of Hills for Life that it is happening here. We're doing it right. Uh, We're doing it fair. We actually had a recruit in the other day that was a a transfer, and he went to uh, another school. We thought he was coming here. He called us after he got there 30 minutes. He said, Coach, they offered me this, this, and this, so I'm I'm going. He didn't even see the campus. He he just got off the plane. So uh, I hate it, but cheaters cheat, and... That's the way it is out there, and they are actually just purchasing kids. All right. Mm. So that's what Mac Brown had to say. Fitty, do we need to get it ready? Like, I, I just I just don't get it. Like, if you're doing it the right way, why you got to sit up there and say, we're doing it the right way? Just keep doing what you're doing. Like, this is part of it. Cheating has always existed in college athletics from the time the NCAA gave uh, guidelines and bylaws, schools, teams, they, they went against it. And so it's just this is why people have the their thoughts about Carolina fans. This is why Dave Doran went out there and had that quote drop during the game on Black Friday about how they feel that we're they're better about us because our coaches get up there and talk about, well, we're doing things the right way. I'm sure if we dug deep into what Carolina's doing right now, there was probably something they're not doing 100% correct. Shut up. I don't want to hear you whine about the current state of college athletics. You knew this is what you, you knew this is where it was headed when you chose to come out of retirement, come out of TV and get back into coaching. Yeah, what's hilarious, I saw Mike Ryan from the Levitard show tweet this out and he said, "Mac, the call is coming from inside the house. Watch out." Absolutely, it's happening at all of these different college programs. But here's the other thing I think Mac Brown needs to keep in mind when making these comments as boisterous as he is to the public. You do realize that North Carolina was the biggest defender a while back with Butch Davis at the helm. It's like one of those things where even if the message is true, let's give Mac Brown the benefit of the doubt. Even for me, who is a Carolina fan, like, yeah, do we forget about the Butch Davis days? Like, do we forget about Marvin Austin and some of these other guys that did come to North Carolina? Like, I'm just saying Nobody is going to receive that nearly as well coming from a college football program that had all of the Davis problems. Even if other programs were doing it, it just doesn't feel like the message would be as well received from that program, right? That had all of that go on with it in the last really, you know, decade plus 15 years. And when you're discussing it that way, it just comes across as you're angry that it's not working out nearly as well, right? Like, okay, so you missed out on a prospect and he didn't see the campus. Okay, 
mean, it, if you're getting a ton of money, if you're getting a whole bunch of stuff, does it? How much does it matter how beautiful the campus is? I mean, sure, like there's <laughs> going to be some more experiences there, but man, like seems like Mac Brown is worried about the wrong stuff. I mean, what, like Vitty said, what did you think was going to happen? There's always going to be a way to circumvent the rules, no matter how uh, official you try to make it. You make it to where players can get paid now, but people are going to find ways to still undercut that. And that's what's happening now when they talk about the tampering. It is to the point where smaller schools are going to be feeder schools for big programs. Carolina, I wouldn't put in that group, but they're a team that, you know, I'm not going to consider them a college football playoff contender year in, year out. And so you are going to have the big dogs, the Bamas, the Clemsons, and well, and and those schools of the like that are going to look at schools like that and smaller and say, hey, that guy's a great player. That guy's a great player. Let's go get him. And they have the money and resources uh, to do so, man. But you can't blame these kids, especially most of them that are coming from, you know, tough, tough financial backgrounds to jump on these opportunities to be able to seize uh, some financial stability for their well, families. And last thing on this, by the way, just when it comes to the entire NIL environment surrounding college athletics, this is not to say that there doesn't need to be some attempt on legislating all of it. It's just going to be really hard. I mean, when you're talking about tampering, so much of tampering is word of mouth. So much of tampering is athletes talking to other athletes I mean, I can go to it's it's not the same not to say that the Charlotte 49ers are you know tampering right now. I don't know anything about it, but I do remember part of the recruiting process with the Grant DeBose and James Foster acquisitions that Will Healy had made. Both of those guys worked out together. I, I believe it was James Foster who said, yeah, Grant, come on, man. Let's go play some college football up with the 49ers program. And now Grant DeBose is transferring because he's was awesome at Charlotte. And now he's going to go to some better school because that dude is a legitimate NFL draft prospect, but that was actually teammate player kid recruiting kid. I just don't know how you legislate it. And it's the same thing in the NBA, to be honest with you, right? Like what we're talking about, yes, they're professionals. There are differences, but when you're talking about legislating tampering, which is a problem in the NBA, it's players who are talking to other players. You can't, you can't have some type of government decide, all right, these two players can't hang out with one another. Like, you can't even do that in college athletics. All right, you can't go hang out with your wide receiver buddy at Tennessee. Yeah. And, nah, man, like that, kids are going to talk. Mm -hmm. And then I understand coaches also, you have a problem with the offering of money, the offering of the $5 million deal for you to transfer, even if you're not in the transfer portal. And so perhaps that is a little bit more ready at legislation. I just, it's still going to be really hard. They'll look into it. It will get better. But, yeah, man, it's just going to be interesting to see what type of answer college athletics comes up with in order to try to fix, quote-unquote, this problem, however big you deem it to be. 704-570-9610. Yep. Feel free to share your thoughts on that as well. We have plenty more to get to on the Weiss and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I think we're about to have to do the same old song and dance. A recurring theme, a recurring debate. And ESPN blamed them because the website put out a 2021 redraft. And of course, it's easy content to go to on who the Carolina Panthers should have drafted at number eight 
And then when you go down the list, it has maybe a different pick at number two overall outside of Zach Wilson. And you can just go down the list. And in that draft, obviously, we saw Carolina take one J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. J.C. Horn has been an extremely divisive topic on one Wesson Walker. We've had promos. We've had people text in. We've had different people debate how good he is, and Wes is still telling you he is 19th, what is it, 23rd now? 20th. In coverage grade, so he, he dropped a spot. Yeah, 20th. He dropped a spot in PFF coverage grade. So, yeah. yes, we're going to resurrect that topic once again because they did a redraft. And before we get to the whole J.C. Horn <laughs> discussion, when you go down the list, I think pretty clearly Zach Wilson would not be the number two overall pick because it just hasn't worked out with them. Right. I mean, they're going to Mike White when healthy. And so in this redraft, they had the Jets taking Justin Fields number two. My question about that is because it obviously pertains to Carolina. They had their shot to select Justin Fields if they wanted to. And they decided not to take the Ohio State quarterback. It was a rough start for him last year it, or it was a rough start for him this year. But then they started, I think, utilizing him in a way that kind of expressed his attributes more so. He was able to run. They ran play uh, play action off of it. He had a ridiculous run this past weekend where he, if he didn't barely step out of bounds, it would have been one of the more impressive touchdown runs of this past Sunday. And yet there are still plenty of questions about Justin Fields and how he'll continue to develop as a quarterback the rest of the way. Do you think going number two overall is a little too high for a quarterback that Carolina could have chosen at that time, or do you think number two is the right call? No, I think number two is fine for uh, Justin Fields because we see his game starting to develop and him also turning into one of the most exciting players in the league. When you talk about how dynamic he is and what he could be once the Bears put the requisite pieces around him, I think you're going to be talking about one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. We know his pedigree. We know his football IQ. We know all the athleticism that he brings. So I think it's all there. He's starting to realize it individually, but now the team has to put enough around him for him to realize it uh, as far as just total team success, offensive success. So just to give you an idea, here are the original picks. One was Trevor Lawrence. Two was Zach Wilson. Three was Trey Lance. Four was Kyle Pitts. Five was Jamar Chase. The new picks here, Trevor Lawrence, again, he would still be the overall number one overall pick, and he's been playing a lot better here lately. Justin Fields would be number two, as we just discussed. Then you have Micah Parsons, number three, Jamar Chase, four, Rashawn Slater, five. What's interesting is that you had Justin Fields as an option for you at Carolina at number eight. You decided to pass on him. We've talked about that a lot. You also had Rashawn Slater. Now, eventually you draft Ike Iquanu, who is not having the rookie season Slater did last year. Slater was awesome, but Ike Kwanu still looks like he can absolutely be a franchise left tackle. I know he struggled a little bit more lately. Still, Ike Kwanu is somebody I fully believe in to be that left tackle for the future. Um, if you keep going down the list, just how the redraft plays out, ESPN analysts have Carolina picking Jalen Waddell, who actually falls a little bit despite being an awesome receiver too. And then JC Horn only falls two spots to number 10 ESPN analyst analyst have Dallas taking JC Horn at number 10 overall. So do you think that would be a better pick as somebody that has debated JC Horn is not a shutdown corner. Do you feel like Jalen Waddell, if he were available, would have been a better pick for this Carolina team? Listen, we're talking about an offensive league here, okay? A league where offensive players pretty much dictate 
the line when you're talking about gambling. So to me, as I've said, I do not believe that there's a such thing as a shutdown corner in football anymore because of the rules and because of how things are. But you're telling me that I can get a guy that right now sits at 62 catches for 1,117 yards, 18 yards of reception, seven touchdowns. Oh, yeah, and as one of the fastest players in the league at his position, you're doggone right. Word to Brian Dawkins with the doggone. You're doggone right. I'd take Jalen Waddle over uh, J.C. Horn every day, twice on Sunday. I'm not even mad at that, to be honest with you. Jalen Waddle's crazy. He's an excellent wide receiver. Yeah, 104 catches as a rookie. I, I don't have any problem with taking Jalen Waddle. Wouldn't he be a waste here, though, given the quarterback play Carolina has <laughs> but, had? But but that but that doesn't say anything about Jalen, right? No, it, it's not about him being a bad player. He's a hell of an offensive player. Yeah. We, we've had a hard time getting DJ Moore the ball. What makes you think that Jalen well, Waddle would be putting up the numbers he's putting up in Miami? I think Huddle. I mean, Huddle. I think Waddle would actually do well anywhere he goes just because of his speed and the matchups that he creates. I think that even here in Carolina, they find a way to connect with him downfield. Uh, maybe not on a frequent basis, but I think on a frequent enough basis for him to still be uh, a very respected player. Yeah, and I think Jalen Waddle, even last year before Mike McDaniel got there, even before Tyreek Hill got there, where there was so much focus on Jalen Waddle, as a rookie, the guy was still balling. I have zero problem if you want Waddle to be that guy. But again... You going to do the dance too? I know the dance that is my, It's my favorite. It's my, Really? Oh, yeah, man. The Jalen Waddle dance the when he Waddle. goes like this. <laughs> Dude, I love the he Waddle. He just did it in his chair, y'all. I love it more. I did. I, yeah. wish, I wish we had cameras. I would do it. Yeah, do you want me to do it again? We can Eddie? do it and put it on social after the show. Uh, that's a little too much. You want to do it? No, I don't want to do it. It could go viral. Yeah, it's not going to We're go, doing it. it no, we no, need a, We need some you social like, posts this week. You act we like can you, do it together. You can do something. Di- I'm not going to do that with Jalen Waddle, though. I'm not going to do the Waddle dance. I can't do that. That would be great social content for us this week. We need some posts. Fiddy can do it if you want him to. No, I'm not getting dragged into this. You were the one that was like all about this dance, and then you waddled. So I, I like it because Jalen Waddle himself does it, not because Walker does it. Like it's Walker mail, not Waddle. You did mail, it really well in the chair. I feel like I did. Thank you, but That's I don't what I'm want saying. do but, it again. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got it. Quick I ten second video. It looks like a little penguin. We can do it in the hallway together. It really is my favorite dance that anybody does out there. Yeah. Really? I mean, and in the NFL, look, the gritty's great, but man, when you when you make a waddle cool, come on now. Fire fizzle tomorrow, okay. touchdown celebrations. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And you got to go with waddle. Or being. player celebrations. What what other ones would we include? I mean, you got Dion. You have. I mean, there's so many. You can well, do my high there, salute. Well, you can do Superman cam. A bunch of them. There's plenty of Steve Smith celebrations. We could just. We honestly, we're not going to. But we could just have a fire fizzle. Steve I, yeah. Smith. TV I ain't gonna lie. He get a lot of fizzle. Steve Smith is one of my favorite all-time Panthers. I love Steve Smith. There you go. But I used to think his celebrations were not that great. Well. What are your favorite? What are the worst ones? Because I love the, the baby diaper changing. I don't know why. It was just so funny when he changed the diaper and then he's wiping the baby's bottom on the football. Who was C Smith? Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite. Um, I just, 
I just remember some of the dance that he did. I like more the crunk celebration that he would do, like if he would get up and spin the ball and then pop off to somebody. I like my, that. My though. favorite thing about Steve Smith was it doesn't matter if it was a six-yard out route reception, right? It sets you up for a second or third and four. He was spinning that football, yeah. and it would spin That's what forever. Like. That's what I doesn't like. matter what kind of catch he had. Why are you shaking your head? He didn't like it. Because it was so annoying. <laughs> Like, like, be a professional. You know, oh, I, I really God, subscribe to the theory. You are old. I mean, I subscribe to the theory. Act like you've been there before. Now, this man that talks as much trash as Fiddy does, Fiddy, talking about act like you've been there before. Fiddy is a walking Rubik's Cube of <laughs> foolishness, okay? Right. Like, this guy will spew the biggest hypocritical takes of all time, destroy Steve Smith, but yet acts like Steve Smith. For the simplest of takes, right. he is spinning the metaphorical football on these airwaves for absolutely nothing profound being said. I have Correct. no problem celebrating touchdowns, but like, like I get annoyed when 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 Zeke does the the feed me thing and then he points for the first down marker. That's like, dope. Like, go line back up and go run the football again. That's Do dope. it again. Oh my! I, a I six would short hate to play for you. Ball? You sound like the worst coach ever. No, if, if I'm eating and then you're telling me, hey, go back and do it again. We established the run. Go run football. This is what you do. I would hate playing for you. You would be the worst coach ever. You're a Barry Sanders guy. Oh, yeah. I bet you hate Barry Sanders because he's not running between the tackles enough. He tried to break it out wide, and that's not how football is being played. Uh, dude, I'm an I'm I'm Emmett Smith guy. You know, Emmett Smith just ran. You know, he followed his blocks, set up his blocks, hit the holes, and then just you know got back and did it again. And Emmett again. did celebrate, and though, that's why time. he's the best running back of all damn time. I mean, he is absolutely top 10 running back no, of all time. Whoa. No, I agree. He's the number he's, one he's, No, he's top 10. That's you the guys best have running disrespect. back of all time. Do you guys have a problem big with me? Heck yeah. He's that's top a big disrespect. I agree he's top 10. No. <laughs> I give him GOAT status. No, he's not the GOAT. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Let's go. Let's do this right now. Listen, I'm going to tell you my take right now. Okay. People disrespect Emmett because they try to say his offensive line this, offensive line that. You're yeah, he had a great O-line, but Emmett was the man from the time he picked up the football. He set the record for rushing in high school in Florida. He dominated at the University of Florida, and then he went to the NFL the and dominated. I know running back. He did not, but he dominated. He was one of the guys that helped put Florida on the map. And then when you talk about in the NFL, when he missed those games at the beginning after they won the Super Bowl, they were taking L's. And mm -hmm. then when they got Emmett back in the building, they started dominating. And I'm not a Cowboys fan. And I hated the big three when I was a yeah. kid. They were so dominant Look, but i'm just saying the man ran for almost a thousand yards at 40 years old with the cardinals i believe he was 40 i think oh he was old. Yeah. there's no doubt and he ran for 937 no well, come on man it, i mean yeah i gotta pay that man his respect no i i will and i top do think I, yeah i mean and i think there's an argument for top five running back of all time oh right? my god <laughs> let me do dude this, this take is worse than west's take you, bring, put me on the go ahead go ahead you can do the foul line fitty roast me here you get you're getting called here's another foul line edition hang on i gotta pull it up oh come on now <laughs> yeah yeah if you want the foul line then go to the foul line. I'm sorry. He was 35. He was not 40, but he was still, that's old for running back. Yeah. So it's a five difference, kind of like the spot from number one to where he belongs, like just flirting with the top five spot. Go ahead, Fiddy. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Man, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> Roast me, Fiddy, what you got? I mean, look, I, I, I... 
I, I don't agree with Wes's take on J.C. Horn. I think it's underline asinine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he believes in it. I don't believe you believe this take. I don't believe you believe in the words that are coming out of your mouth. You're talking about a guy that is number one in every major statistical category. He's a great compiler. Come on, man. This man went from 1991 to 1995, and his lowest rushing title was 1484, including two 1,700-yard campaigns and a 1,500-yard campaign. Stop it, man. He went 25 touchdowns in 95 and 21 in 94. Man, look. Get out of here, man. I'm just telling you, Barry Sanders. And two MVPs. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was a great offensive line. It was a team that was built off of running the football. They had a great, they did a great job of exercising what was a strength. And Emmitt Smith is a great running back. Emmitt Smith was so damn good, he got Troy Aikman in the Hall of Fame. Troy Aikman was a good quarterback (laughs) that didn't have to throw the football. No, Troy Aikman was a game manager who benefited off of the best running back of all time. No, Troy Aikman could throw that thing. Troy Aikman is the third best. Troy Aikman's not even the best quarterback in franchise history. He's got the most Super Bowls. Well, you guys have had a lot of pretty good quarterback, so I can understand He's that. He's not even better than Tony Romo. He got there because whoa, of Emmitt Smith. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Go ahead, argue whoa. with him. Go ahead, argue nah, with him. Nah, come on, man. Michael Irvin is a Hall Eggman, of Famer man. because of Emmitt Smith. That offensive line is in the Hall of Fame no. because of Emmitt Smith. Troy Eggman was a very accurate passer. He was tough as nails. When nail. you only throw it 15 not times, winning, you better be accurate. They're not winning a Super Bowl without Troy Eggman. See, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with nah. that. I mean, Troy, Troy Aikman was a good thrower of the football. They just didn't really have to all that much because they did have a great offensive line. And Emmitt Smith was a great running back. But, nah, man, he's not better than Barry Sanders. And you can put together all the numbers you want to, man. Like you're talking about. How do you look at those numbers where he's number one in every category and say he's not the best of all time? He wasn't number one in 1990. Sanders oh was. My he God. wasn't number one, one in 1994. Oh, my say two God. Years. Say two years. Dude. Two years. All right, but he 1994, he was. 1994, he ran for 1480 and, and 21 touchdowns. Emmett did? In 1994, he went 1484 and 21 touchdowns. I mean, yeah. You're talking about Barry Sanders? No, I'm talking about Emmett. Barry, or, yeah, Barry Sanders went for 1883. Right. Barry was, Barry was fantastic. Barry ran I for 2,000 yards. And Barry also quit. At night, yeah, after 10 years. If he, he did, then he would have beat Emmett Smith easily. He quit. <laughs> yeah. So Emmett Smith is a good compiler. Quitter. And that'll do it. For the foul line and the bad <laughs> takes from Wes and Fiddy, we'll now go to another bad segment, the last Fiddy Flash of the day. What you got, Fiddy? Uh, well, <laughs> considering what happened in this in, in this last segment, I don't really have a whole lot. Okay, we'll touch on this. Mm-hmm. A sad day for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the, and the entire NFL community as a Steelers Hall of Fame running back, Franco Harris, passed away today at the age of 72. Two days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception against the Raiders, uh, which those two teams will play <laughs> this weekend. Um, so sad news there. Coco brought this up to in one of the breaks. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, as a result of blowing the largest lead in NFL history, they've now benched Matt Ryan to start Nick Foles. Poor Matt Ryan. I mean, this dude now owns the two biggest blown leads like in football history blew a 28 to 3 lead in the super bowl 
And then a 33 to nothing lead to Minnesota. And Matt Ryan is not hurt, correct? They're just going to Nick Foles. I think his heart's hurt because he sucks. But he's not injured, even though I understand the joke. He's not injured, right? No. I, I didn't think so. I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't some kind of injury here. Yeah, like to have your job taking, taken a couple of times by Nick Foles again. But even, you know, again, as far as the second time this year, but then even Sam Ellinger at the beginning of the season, you talk about the team I was most wrong about. It's the Indianapolis Colts heading into this year. That offensive line I thought was going to perform a lot better. They did not. Matt Ryan was kind of cooked more than I thought. I thought he would be exactly what the Colts ordered from last year, an upgrade from Carson Wentz. Do you think the Colts are one of the bigger disappointments in the NFL? Is there another team that is a bigger disappointment than them? in the league maybe denver that's probably the one that i would go with with the way russell wilson has performed what are some other teams that you can think uh, i of? think the Colts are definitely up there and i will argue that they probably are because of the fact that a lot of teams felt they were just a quarterback away with the way jonathan taylor ran the ball last year that defense led by shaq leonard the way they were playing and uh you add gilmore to the mix and all that and people thought that this team was going to be one of the true contenders in the league this year and they have been anything but a lot of disappointments in the NFL. The Colts are certainly among them. All right, we have one more segment to go. And then uh, I do want to get to the Avatar movie review that Wes also has been wanting to talk about on the show. So we'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> Last segment of Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker before we hand the baton off to the Kyle Bailey show. Smoke Ludwig also a part of that. Also, oh, we're not going to barricade the door and just keep on going? If you want to. Uh, no, actually, I don't know why I said that. No, I don't want to do this for the next three hours. Like, Kyle needs the time, I mean, because we need to get the Kyle, we need to get people the Kyle Bailey show. Like, it's time. At three o'clock, people expect their Kyle Bailey show, and that's what I want to give them here on what Sports Radio. What if you Radio. just do it in his voice? This is the clubhouse with Kyle Bailey. I don't think he sounds like that. I don't think he sounds like that at all. <laughs> okay, then, well, okay, then give me your KB impression. I, see, here is the mix-up. I didn't say I could do a better one. I just know that you can't do one either. That's my thing. I don't think you sound like Kyle. How, do, how does he sound again? This is the clubhouse. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's That's really just, hard to sound that Virginian, you know? What it, it, I, I'm trying to figure out what your worst impression is. Your David Tepper is pretty bad. What's your David Tepper impression? Hey, uh, yeah, show, awful. Uh, it just comes out like Peter Griffin, but that was like, like if, if I could just get out of how we used to do David Tepper um you know when 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 big daddy nick wilson was here that's the biggest problems like it just automatically became uh i, I just i don't have a the yins are in me you know like like andrew filipponi i bet you could do david tepper better than than than, than never mind i can't go there then then anyone else we've ever heard try to impersonate him because he's just got that yins are in him that doesn't exist in me. Okay. Um, yeah, it was bad. The David Tepper one is worse. I don't know if your Kyle Bailey one hits all that well, but your David Tepper one certainly is worse than that. All right, let's go to the Avatar take. I know you've been wanting to get your review off here. You got to see that over the weekend, Wes? You got to see the movie? I did, actually. That's how I ended up uh, not seeing the World Cup game like that because we chose the 12 o'clock showing. Of Avatar, the way of water. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, it sounds lame. It sounds so lame. I have not. It is not something 
I need to go see, but you were a big fan of this coming out. So did it deliver? Yeah, I was a fan. I mean, it had been 13 years. Uh, I would say no. Uh, I thought the CGI looked like the cutaways from the the cut scenes from video games that I watched like on YouTube and stuff. So that I kind of didn't like that. Like it didn't look like the first Avatar felt like it looked like CGI, but it also looked real. This one I thought looked a lot like a video game when you were watching it. It was very long. I felt like they could have probably cut an hour to an hour and a half out of the movie and still got the story across. I mean, it was basically just a general trying to get revenge and catch. Uh, oh, God, I forget the guy's character. But uh, it was basically just that. And, you know, it's Avatar, so it's going to be cheesy. Uh, so it was like she, Jake Scully. So it's basically them trying to the general chasing Jake Scully. And, uh, you know, a lot of cheesy lines and things of that nature. And, you know, I just was uh, I was disappointed by it. And they're supposed to be making like five. So uh, I think what, this will probably be this? my last one. What, no, this is they're going to be making five more. Yes, yeah, so I watched a special about it before it came out. They said he wrote five because uh, they, they've already been talking about the um, the sequels uh, in the works because, you know, this one's going to be wildly successful. So, yeah. Fiddy, are you a fan of Avatar at all? Do you want to go see this? Uh, I never saw the first movie, but I think I'm going to have to uh, because this might be a potential date for me down the road because the girl I took out Sunday night, who is not an MCU fan but wants to go see this Avatar film, that may be something I find myself doing. At yeah. some point. Have you already talked about your date, or can we talk about that a little bit more right now? You know, to be honest with you, I'm more disappointed that it took you this long to mention my date than Me? when you were here last week, and it took you almost almost the exact same amount of time to mention your girlfriend running a marathon. Wait, I don't know why I'm getting thrown under the bus. This is the first day I've been back. Should have been the opening segment on the show. I, I, wanted to add, I didn't know if you guys talked about it yesterday or Monday. We did. I didn't know. I, so, okay. D- is there something else you wanted to talk about? Well, I didn't see, talk about it with you. Okay, well, what what do you want to share? What is so important that you wanted it? Because I, I'm genuinely interested in how your date went. Well, I mean, it started off with me calling you on Friday after, you know, we had found out we, we both had COVID. And I pretty much just cursed you because, like, if, if I was concerned that I was not going to be able to go on the date, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be able to, to recover by Sunday. But luckily, because my body has uh you know far superior genes than others i was able to get over covid a lot quicker I hope than you others. ain't looking this way i hope you ain't looking there and uh so i didn't tell this part of the story on the air we set the date for 6 30 p.m at christopher's bar and grill in matthews i got up at 5 42 to, <sighs> to to leave because i was like i go i, I want to be early and mm-hmm. i had to get some gas well i go down to my truck and where I usually keep my wallet, my wallet wasn't there. So then I looked in the other spot in my truck where I keep my wallet. My wallet was not there. So I go back upstairs, and I pulled out my pants from Friday to see if my wallet was still in there. My my wallet's not in my pants. Oh, I know this feeling. Forgetting your wallet. Hey, it happens sometimes. So then I go back hmm. down to my truck, and I'm like, maybe it's in the back seat. Nope, it's not in the back seat. I go back upstairs, and I go through my room again. Still can't find... My wallet. And I'm a fat ass. So by this point, I'm, I'm sucking wind. I actually worked up a sweat. Uh, and then my mom calls me to see how I was feeling. And she can tell that she's like, why are you so short of breath? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to find my wallet. What do you need your wallet for? Mama, I have a date. So then she wants to talk about the date. But I'm like, if I don't find my wallet, I got to text the girl. Hey, we can't go because I don't, I, I don't have my wallet. 
And if I texted her that, she told me. She's like, if you would have texted me and canceled, that would have been it. Because I would have thought you had chickened Ooh. out. Mm. Lo and behold, my wallet was <laughs> stuck in between the end of my mattress and my bed frame. And I only knew this because I went up into my room and I just pulled the mattress up and I flung it. And I heard, I heard something thump against the floor. And I know it wasn't my TV remotes or my phone because my phone was in my hand. And there sat my wallet. Do you have a tile? I'm guessing you don't have a tile or else it wouldn't have taken you this long. But, you know, those tile cards that you can put in the wallet, lose it all the time. That thing has been a godsend. No, what is this? So you can put one of these cards in and then you download the app on your phone and then you can look for your wallet. It makes a sound if you need to go to your phone because you can't find the wallet. I've got one of my keys because I lose those. Got one of my wallet. One time it actually helped me after a night out. Yes. After a night out the next morning, couldn't find my wallet anywhere. Yep, I absolutely was getting into some shenanigans that night. Mm. Couldn't find it anywhere, right? Nowhere around the house. I wasn't feeling the best this morning. And so just to add the insult to the injury I was suffering, couldn't find it anywhere. Great. Not in my car. Not in the kitchen. Living room. Nowhere whatsoever. And I'm using the Tile app. But what happens is it tells me the last place that it picked it up. And so it fell in a parking garage uptown that was right next to the spot that I had parked the night before, and it was upside down with cards on the ground, and I was able to find it because of this Tile app. So big shout to Tile. Highly recommend it. Make sure you get Tile so you don't miss out on another date because that could be it, as yeah. she told us. Yeah. So, uh, but, no, it, it went it went really well. Um, hopefully we get to go out again sometime in the near future. All right. That I thought is... you said that it was going to be uh, Thursday. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's right near Christmas. I've I've still got to do some shopping. Like, it's just a maybe. But she did tell me that we she does want to go out again. Is she listening right now? Uh, I Could... don't think so because she hasn't texted. So Okay. So maybe, yeah. I mean, plus, you don't get her a Christmas present, right? No. I didn't think so. Just wanted to make sure. I didn't know. Hell, I just was making. I, I didn't know what kind of guy you were. I didn't know if you were wanting to carry out something like that or if you just said, wait, it's way too early. You might come across creepy doing that. Just wanted to get your vibe. That was my question. And that's the story of Fitty's Day. <laughs> that, let's go to What's on Tap. It's brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks dash club. Jumpman Invitational happening here in the city of Charlotte and North Carolina will be taking on Michigan in a rematch of the 1993 championship at 7 p.m. Again in the Spectrum Center. You also have the Hornets taking on the Clippers. They're going to be playing out west. So if you want to watch some Hornets basketball, tip is set for actually 10.30. I was saying 10 o'clock earlier. It's actually even later than that, 10.30. So hopefully you guys can stay up. I'm going to have to stay up and then do an episode right after. I'm deciding, me and Doug are deciding to do Locked on Hornets after the game instead of waking up in the morning to do it. So I'll be watching it, and I'll give you all my Hornets thoughts tomorrow on Wes and Walker. Time now for what happened on this day in sports history. What you got, Fiddy? All right, this was probably one of the best days of our lives, Walker, because on this day in 1891, Dr. James Naismith introduced the first game of basketball he, uh, the game was based on 13 rules created by Naismith. The game is tested by 18 students at the School for Christian Workers in Springfield, Massachusetts. I may have lost Walker there. Using a soccer ball, <laughs> two, be uh, two peach baskets, and two teams of nine players each. The objective, of course, is to throw the round ball into a round basket. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> attached to a balcony 10 feet above the floor. The evolution of the game that you and I love so much has come, uh, has come along 
long way, mm-hmm. and I will celebrate the love by watching and complaining about the way the Tar Heels play this same game tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, on this day in 2008, the aforementioned Detroit Lions, without Barry Sanders, became the first team to yeah, start uh, a season 0-15 <laughs> in NFL history when they were routed 42-7 to by the New Orleans Saints. The Lions also break records for being outscored by a combined 176 points at home, uh, where they lost uh, by an average of 22 points at home. And then on this day in 2010, the number one ranked uh, UConn women's basketball team tops the 88-game winning streak set by UCLA's John, or, or John Wooden's UCLA teams in the 1970s when they beat number 22 Florida State 93-62. to Maya Moore had a double-double with 41 points and 10 rebounds. Was she the best women's college basketball player you've ever seen? Because I remember watching her and just thinking, like, she could go out and give some teams, like, maybe Wake Forest back then a 30-piece. Yeah, Come on, Maya Moore. Maya, yeah. Moore, Maya Moore was amazing. She was great, but no. I, I, can't I mean, Brianna that. Stewart is the one that comes oh, to yeah, mind. She was really good. That, and dude, uh, Paige of Bukers is... I want her to get healthy because she's yeah, a lot too. of fun to watch play. Oh, yeah, Caitlin Clark is... Taniqua Holesclaw. Yeah, there's a lot. My favorite of all time is Tamika Catchings. Represent the Indiana Fever Lisa and Leslie, the Tennessee. my all-time favorite. Arguably the GOAT. All right, that'll do it for Wes and Walker. Fiddy is not going to barricade Kyle Bailey out of the studio. He instead will take over from 3 until 6 p.m. right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.